Welcome back to the Wedding Wisdom Podcast with Doug Winters. This is your host, Doug Winters, and today is December 7th. When I was in elementary school, I remember distinctly that they would start each day with a recording of FDR saying, today is December 7th, a day that will live in infamy. Now, I'm going to save you all this five-minute editorial that I had just recorded and decided to trash because my guest today is so insanely charismatic and so passionate about everything that he does that I want you to hear everything he has to say directly from him. He's astonishingly open and surprisingly candid about every aspect of his life. And personally, I find it incredibly fascinating and one of the reasons I started doing this podcast. So sit back and relax or do whatever it is you do when you listen to podcasts. I tend to exercise, run, lift little weights, do little yoga. But listen to this man's story. It is quite astonishing. Without further ado, here is my conversation with the irrepressibly charming Peggy Cash. I don't know anybody else other than my husband who had the same amount of clothes as I did or same wardrobe as I did. So with us condensing it both in the one small 1100 square feet apartment was crazy. Oh, you literally need another apartment just to hold your clothes. We had three storage on it that we just moved out of everything yesterday. That one was shoes, one was like jackets and the other one was sweaters and pants. So we were paying so much money just for a storage unit. It only makes sense for us to transition. And this is so much more convenient, especially with everything that's happening around us and both of us working from home, at least now for me, majority of the time, it's just made sense. That is really funny though, that you're both clothes sorts. Insanity. We both are so into fashion. My career started in fashion early, early on when I was a teenager and and he's been in it forever as a passion. Well, that's right. He's a fifth grade teacher. So he has an education degree. In education. And let me tell you, I've never been happier to have somebody in a household who is a teacher at least have a security for the job itself. So I'm health insurance, pension. It's the best health insurance pension. That's why I married him. But <laughs> I'm sure. It's great. At least I have a comfort level that I don't have to worry about it. I went through this early on, the first set of pandemic. I didn't know what's going to happen, not just for my client, but for myself and my career. I worked so hard to get here. And 2020 was going to be our busiest year. We had it would have set me up for the next decade. I have a checklist of venues that I want to be, or the countries that I want to be. And this year, I had a lot of those pieces in place. Being able to showcase my work within these venues and kind of manifest it from there and have more clients coming from those, it was, it's how I kind of justify kind of set me up for the next 10 years. That's what I mean by it, because we were the busiest that we've ever been. And we had some incredible jobs that was coming in. All of my destination wedding, which really, you know, I worked so hard to get to a certain place. And I'm hoping that I don't have to work as hard to go to a next chapter in my career. And um, it was just a progression growth. And this year would have been literally the best year visually as far as presentation of it, the location that we want to be, that set up potentially for the next decade for the rest of the venues that I have in my list of places that I want to be. It will just showcase our work in a much bigger scale, but I lost all of those destination wedding that we had. Most of them, unfortunately, canceled and they're not even going forward 
tip one or two in South America, in Australia, we had South Korea, we had Portugal, we had oh. London, all of them canceled. Oh my God. Um, we had Italy, which got canceled, but we did that wedding here. We went from 300 people to 50 people, which was magnificent and glorious. And it got picked up with a lot of different publication, but still, you know, it's not Italy. That's where I wanted to be, but it's okay. I'm just, again, putting it out there. Whoever is listening in the universe, then hopefully you'll come back either 2021 or 2022. In 2021, we have those two parties as far as destination in South America that they hold on tight still because the venue would work with them, but I have nothing else. Everything is local. We were pre-pandemic based here in Los Angeles, and we even closed the Los Angeles office. So you weren't always in New York or you had both New York and L.A.? I had both New York and LA. We had a smaller office in Los Angeles with one person. And for me, my biggest push as far as the communities were the Persian Jews. So I'm the preferred planner for the majority of the time. But then there was a major transition with the expectation for the Los Angeles folks. Um, it's so odd. They changed the dynamic as far as what is important to prioritize for themselves when it comes to their events. And it wasn't working out as far as you know, revenue and, 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 and profit. So we were always intending to transition potentially to Miami pre-pandemic. So, but once the pandemic hits, we know that we knew that we had to close that office to just stop the bleeding. And we even got rid of the office here, um, which we were sharing with somebody else. And uh, now we have something much smaller in Brooklyn, which is downstairs, which we use it. It's much more comfortable. We do our meetings there. I meet my staff there. So how big is your staff? Five. It used to be seven. Now it's five. Um, I think soon enough it's going to go to two because um, when are you planning to post this? Um, <laughs> as soon as I can. <laughs> like Monday, on Monday. Great. Um, so you're having another conversation. I have nothing. Doug. I cannot stress enough how lucky I am to have the team that I have because each one of them brings somebody to the table and I've never, ever had a better staff in my entire life. And we go through transition with people that we work with, and it's tough to find good help sometimes. And But I think we're going to go back down to just skin and bone because we have nothing. Thank God your husband has a job as a fifth grade teacher. Uh, yes, I swear to you. I'm going to be a kept man for now. He's <laughs> perfectly fine with it. And I'm also so grateful that he was able to get approved to teach from home because I know there are a few teachers out there that they still, I mean, not right now, but right before the last year shut down their school, they still had to go to classes. And he, he has high blood pressure and diabetes. So there was just a lot of hurdle that he had to go through in order for him to get approved. But not here. And he loves it. And the kids are being super responsive about it. We're still, all of us, in a state of learning how to um, approach. Now it's hour by hour. It's not even day by day anymore. We just, we don't know. I, I find out as early as my clients would find right. out. So it's very tough to have those conversations, as you can imagine, with our people because you know, they're all important to us, but when it comes to our clients, their party is the only thing that matters to them. I mean, we're juggling so many different people, but at the same time for them, focus needs to be just on me and on me only. So it's tough to navigate through this, but you know what, we're all working it out. And to be honest with you, these parties that we did, they were tremendous. I mean, they're... No, you had a look on your face when you were describing the, the Shelter Island one. It was six people. The amount of attention that went to these to details from these smaller events, it would be something that would be difficult for most of the events to come to fruition because it's just a matter of the budget. The amount of money that we would have spent for 300 people versus 40 people, 
we couldn't get everything that we wanted. I basically got everything that I wanted from majority of these parties, with the exception of a few. Um, so the visual presentation with these events was spectacular. Oh, wow. Start me from the beginning. My mom is Persian, my dad is Sicilian Catholic, so I'm like a pizza bagel. It's a, such a tight-knitted community, right. but they're also very loyal, thank God, to the people, because they carried my business for the first six, seven years in the beginning. They're also tough negotiators, so they do uh, <laughs> in their party, and that's funny because now, when I was telling you, they've shifted their focus, especially in Los Angeles. You know, they do a 500-people wedding, but they do an e-bite. They do a 500-people wedding, but they don't care about the decor. So now the focus has solely become on music. Oh, wow. That's all they care about. A majority of them, they're all about DJs, not necessarily bands. They may have a, a few instrumental in the middle here and there, but uh, the focus has been flying in DJs from Germany, from Israel, from South America, all these incredible DJs with huge following which I don't know anything about because those kind of music is usually not in my repertoire or things that I listen to. It's been always top 40, more relatable music, but it has changed, especially on the West Coast, that they bring in all these big-name DJ. That's why there wasn't a big platform, especially in Los Angeles, for us. And again, we all knew pre-pandemic how saturated our market has become everybody and their mother is now a planner or a designer or a photographer. And Would you uh, mind, can, can we go in that direction? This is a very organic conversation. Well, let me, all right. So let me, let me set you up with a question. Tell me. Peggy. How long have you been in business? I started this business 17 years ago. I opened my own company 16 years ago. In New York. In New York. And when did you move to LA or Miami or any other location? It was in the middle. I had some work that I was doing for a particular company that forced me to go back and forth. And I saw a market there in Los Angeles. So I opened the company in Los Angeles seven, eight years ago. And then for Miami market, we did a few events in Miami, which was tremendous. And it was high value. And we saw another potential there, but we weren't ready to make a complete transition there. But um, I did live there. Um, for two years when I was going back and forth between New York. But New York has been our hub all of my life and my career. Okay, and your, so, when you first moved to the United States? To Great Neck. In school, I, was, I started with NYU, and then I went to Stony Brook University, but I was in pre-med, and I was in the second year of med school. And then things happen. I had to come out the closet, and then things change, and I had to quickly change, and that's when I met somebody in the industry who saw something for whatever reason, and I fell in this business. I always say that this business chose me, not the other way around. And after those three years, I had multiple different positions in our industry from catering to floral to event space. And it's just made me a better planner and better person, more diverse within our own community. I noticed that you are an advisor to uh, one of the Wyndham hotels uh, in Long Island City? Ravel. Ravel. Pre-pandemic, I was with two venues. Ravel was one of them. Now, what, is, what does that mean? So I was, uh, again, even before that, I was in another company called Colin Art Group, which they have, that's when I was traveling back and forth between Los Angeles and New York. They have mm -hmm. 27 venues across the countries, but they're a massive, they're part of a bigger company, uh, which is based in the UK called Compass Group. And they're one of the biggest food distributor, but they purchased them and they had these venues that they are the exclusive caterer. So they needed somebody to come in and elevate their events um, that are coming in. So basically is there 
own in-house planner. So early on, I realized, thank God for me, it's very tough as a planner to capture every single client. I have to find a way to be able to still continue what I'm doing, but also have a steady paycheck coming in. And that's how I was able to find venues or companies that would allow me to do my thing at the same time, be able to work with them to help them to grow. And that's where my thought process was. And now, funny enough, there are other people who are trying to do the same thing. I've been doing it for over a decade. As far as you know, are you the only one that, that's done that? I was the only one. And now I have planners reaching out that they want to have a meeting. How did you do that? Like, figure it out. It took me a decade to get there, but I'll be happy to have a conversation with you. Yeah, I'll talk to you all you want. I'm not giving you my secrets. It was no secret. It Honestly, I just asked and positioned myself that way. And again, I've been very fortunate. And I'm such a firm believer, Doug, that everything happened for a reason. My entire career, my entire life has been one sequence of events after another that has placed me to where I am today. But yes, I started with working with these venues and being able to grow my own. Okay, so, so hang on for one second. Tell me. You go to NYU, great school. You go to Stony Brook Med School? Yes. Oh, so you're actually in medical school? I was, second year. Oh, so you were... It was no other option. Either I was a doctor or a lawyer. I'm Persian, sir. You should know. There's no... Either doctor, lawyer, or real estate or jewelry. So those are the only four options that I had. Oh, that's funny. My dad is in jewelry and diamond business. In in New York, like in the diamond district? Yes, but there are factories in Hong Kong. And I just... I hated jewelry and I hated diamond and I certainly did not want to be affiliated with the community not because I don't love my community it's because I was mortified of coming out or somebody finding out which they did and oh no kidding yeah it's a it's a it's not a thing being gay and yeah <laughs> I, it's funny I never know how to word those questions because I I've just been straight my whole life and I've known a lot of gay people I never yeah, wanted to ask that question so you were as they say, in the closet. I was deep, deep in the closet, especially when I moved here. In, this- in your own head or just nope. for the outside world? No, outside work. I was pretending living somebody. So you, would, so you were dating guys, but it's on the sly. I wasn't dating anyone. I was not even acting on that because I was petrified. Of, I was the oldest son. Honestly, I mean, you're objectively a very good looking guy. You are so sweet. Tell me more, please. <laughs> getting better. Get your husband on the phone. Yeah. yeah, I will let him know. But no, I was just not, I was scared. especially going to be a Jewish doctor, please living on Long Island. It would have been great. Granted, my wife has already called for not that it was marriage, but it was something that was like known in the family that I'm marrying this person because of the fact. So you had an arranged marriage here in the United States just because of the Persian background. Correct. The family itself was very connected to mine. So okay, family, friends, very deep roots together. And our fathers were in the same business. And we even, I even pretended as long as like, you know, following through and dating. I don't even, I don't even want to ask. No, we didn't go that far, but just the dating part of it itself was there and did she know partially she does now but then, <laughs> i don't know because it would be just like really hot and heavy at least through come you know through conversation and just going out but never anything were you could like convincing yourself that this could work or it was and um i mean if you ask my dad which talk he would tell you that america has turned me gay um, and with, with us, 
it was just, I came across, I made my own circle of friends, obviously. I was in Great Neck for a year, but then. Okay, so at what age did you move to? 17. Yeah. I moved here when I was 17. I mean, you have a slight accent. Yeah, give me a It's very, you know, charming, but I mean, it doesn't, it's not like you can't even I didn't speak a word of English when I moved here, just the alphabet. No kidding. You, when you're forced into it, you have no choice to learn. And I was so hungry to learn quickly. And I learned my English through cartoons, believe it or not. I'm a huge advocate of, like, love, love cartoons. And that's how I learned mine. But after a year in Great Neck, because I was going for ESL classes at NYU, so it made sense. So my dad got me an apartment out of all places in Chelsea. So that was like the beginning of the end. And I made my own circle of friends. And I came across a few other Persian folks who were is it a very gay neighborhood? Very, very gay. Okay. It's a beautiful part of town, and it's yeah. one of the most well-known colleges, and certainly one of the most expensive colleges. It's famous for being one of the most expensive Vermont. colleges in the country. I think that and Princeton were tied for first. I wasn't paying for it, so it was okay. <laughs> oh, there you go. And I made yeah. my own group of Persians whose parents were so open-minded and, and comfortable. And, I mean, looking back... Again, I don't know how it would have turned out. Probably my life would have been much easier if I didn't come out and still live in the closet and eventually come out after this school. But then again, I wouldn't be having this conversation with you if that was the case. So yeah. I came out once I met those Persian families that are comfortable and very accepting of their kids. And that did not work out the way I anticipated in my head. Just it's... It's nothing big. It just my parents disowned me, and I had to go on my own. That's just a very cliff note. In other words, you, it didn't. It didn't work out the way your parents. No, it, my parents did not react the way that I was anticipating for them to react. Granted, my mom, after two, three years, I understand because of the culture of background, it was difficult for them. But my mom still came around after you know two, three years. She was at my wedding. I never thought I have a picture of her and me dancing. I would do it all over again just for that moment because it was everything for me to have my mom at least there to to celebrate uh, life to your husband now yes 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 I had whose her. name is it again Dwayne Dwayne okay yeah. and your mother came to that she did she your father did. didn't no I still don't talk to him I've shamed his name and the family name and the business oh my god that's, that's I've made idea. my peace with it and I've moved on and uh I mean, at least I know how fortunate I am being able to leave the country and have the capacity to live my life now. I mean, those poor kids who are living in Iran, they get stoned alive or they get hung. For real? Oh my God, yes. Iran is one of the worst countries when it comes to LGBTQ. Um, how did you, you survive for 17 years? I mean, again, Persian is a unique country in a way that it's a have and have nots. And then we were fortunate that we were part of the haves part of the country. So... You know, when you have money, you can do anything. But I wasn't, I wasn't out when I was there. I was just, everybody thought I was uh, had so many friends and just living my life. And that's what I'm saying. I'm to look at you. You know, it's like, this is a objectively, this is a very handsome man. Yeah, but it wasn't. I wasn't living my true self. And until I moved here and I was start hanging out with the people that are like-minded, like myself, and from the same community, I had a certain comfort level. Um, but again, I just. Looking back, I was living in a bubble. I was fed with a, not even a silver spoon, with a gold spoon, because Persian loves gold. But it was not, I had to grow up. I'm a much better person 
because of the fact that it was disowned and I had to find my own way. Now I value what I have. I'm proud of every single thing that I own because I know I worked for it. I walked away from a shed load of money. A comfortable position. Very comfortable position okay. um, to nothing. And uh, it made me who I am today. So I'm very proud of Just not to be make it too dramatic, but it is dramatic. So you were literally disowned. I was completely zero penny. Cars, the bank accounts, everything. The trust fund or whatever it was. Yes. Gone. All gone. All gone. Without any. Like you, you don't exist. I did not exist. Thank God I was smart enough when I saw the writing on the wall. Not that I'm proud of it. Mm -hmm. um, I had two cars at the time. I immediately forged my dad's signature and I put two cars on them my own. So I was able to just sell those cars and they were not cheap cars. And I was able to live on that for about a year or two while I was figuring out where I was, where I needed to go. And still, I was still living the same lifestyle. And I was young. I was, you know, 18 years old. I didn't know what I needed to do. If I was smart, I would have invested in a business and perhaps didn't have to worry about it now. But you don't think that way when you're 18. Yeah. But it was a good thing for me. It was yeah. really, really, I probably would have not met my husband otherwise. So I'm, I'm very blessed. And I know uh, that there was a reason for it. But now I don't care anymore. You can talk all you want. But now that it's changing. There's a huge shift in the community as well that, you know, the older generation perhaps do not feel still as comfortable about it, but mm -hmm. they're not the right person for you. But the new generation of our community that's coming through, they're all completely open minded and comfortable. And I've had many conversations with my younger Persians just randomly, what would you do if your son loved them no matter what? So there's a huge change. Oh, that's great. As well. yeah. Yes. The older generation, perhaps not so much, still have their mentality of what it means. And I'm sure most and tell, of No, no, I, listen, I, that's a pretty brutal story that you, that you say. I mean, you're saying it very <laughs> I mean, casually and you're smiling. I laugh, but when I was I know. through it, it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't easy. Yeah, I know. That's but that, so you've been through the mill. I just a little bit. Yeah, just okay. a little bit. But I'm, I mean, I'm just saying, don't because you you are you know, I, I mean, just from I've known you now for 20 minutes or whatever. But I mean, I don't want that to be glossed over. I mean, I, personally, I would think that that was heartbreaking. It was part of my story. It's just it's it is part of my story, and it made me who I am today. And I'm I'm incredibly proud of. What I've accomplished, and that's fantastic. If 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 I wouldn't have gone through those hardships to be who I am today, or I would certainly not have met the people who have put me in this path of being being able to do what I'm doing now, because I genuinely, incredibly in love with my position, with my community, with my life, and uh, I'm looking forward to a better future once we are done with Miss Rona out of. The second half of 2021 and 2022 is it'll be like a fever dream that never happened. Yeah. Sorry. So, yes. so my question is about your path as a profession. So you went to NYU. What you major in? Art major. I did business merchandising. I was planning to get into fashion, but obviously that was not a path that I was told that I need to go. So I was doing pre-med classes and uh, that was the plan, at mm -hmm. least when I was going to school. But I was always in fashion. I, I, I worked for a major department store. I loved fashion. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Which were? Oh, everywhere. I worked at Saks, Neiman, 
Nordstrom, Bloomingdale's, Jeffries and Meatpack. I was a buyer for Bloomingdale's, uh, for Nordstrom for a minute, and I loved it. I, I remember I just we found my resume when we were clearing up our storage unit. As my hobbies, I had developing my wardrobe. I don't even know how I got hired, but I got hired. Then I transitioned to YSL. Then I went to a technology company, which was when Apple was Apple. I became their visual visual merchandiser. So I was setting up. I did twenty different stores. Opening Miami, San Francisco to California, so it was great. But then, I said, "Ari, so how'd you become the Peggy Cash that's on the Wedding Wisdom podcast right now?" I was randomly, um, I, I was working at one of these YSL store, and then there was a person who came in and was purchasing. And that particular person at the moment had a huge platform in the event industry, and I didn't even know who he was and. He saw something, I don't know what it was, whether it was a visual presentation and he had other ideas for himself. Um, and he asked me to join him and to see if I'm interested because he thought it was charismatic and it could be great for a client relationship. And see, I'm not the only one who says it. <laughs> <laughs> he saw something and I worked for him for three years at Protégé and it was great. I learned a lot, but I also fell in love with the business. I went to a major catering company in New York, which was the biggest kosher catering uh, morale caterers. And I was with them for four years. I managed three different venues with them. And then from there, I joined a compass group. And then from there, I joined a floral company, which in turn connected me to Gotham Hall. And then from there, I transitioned to Reval Hotel. But all of it in between, uh, my focus was my own because I knew I want to create Ah. Right. That's what I want to get to. Yeah. After the leaving the planner that I was working with for three years, I opened my own company. It was just me, one man show. And I was taking a day of coordination, month of coordination, mm -hmm. small planning job. Or whatever you could. Party, whatever I could just to create more of a name for myself and, and learn because it was a huge part of it. Even though I saw these huge production, still having your own and being, you know, you are the one who's responsible for all of it, take a different life form. So then I went to a catering company, um, which was Morale Caterers, and I was with them for four and a half years, and I managed three different event space with them. Now, which event space, I'm just- Woodbury Jewry Center, Temple of Torah, and there was one more in Lawrence. Temple Israel in Lawrence? Temple Israel, yes. Those are the three venues that I set, managed them separate time. Um, with the company and I learned a lot and I made a lot of connection within the Jewish community and that's where I Which used to be owned by Marika Summerstein years yes, ago. Do you remember that name? Yeah, I sure remember the Summerstein before they go to jail. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> lovely, lovely human being. Within this, this company, because there were such a few people who were doing kosher events, I made a platform within the Persian community. So I'm so incredibly grateful for them to introduce me to that community, even though I was part of the community, but not when it came to an event space or event part of it. So that's where I established all of my Persian client within the morale company itself. Then I went to a compass group. So I was with them for the East Coast and West Coast division doing an in-house planner for the larger social events, which was traveling right. back and forth between here and Los Angeles. Right. And then I went work for a floral company. Now, where did that come from? That seems like completely out of the blue. It really wasn't because I was working within this clientele and I realized that I'm so involved with some of these florists that I'm literally designing the entire space and they're just providing a material. So that's where that progression came in. And then ah, I okay. 
Gotham Hall, which I'm absolutely I'm in love with the entire company and entire staffing who is there. And then I transitioned to um, my current position with Revell, which again, it's a company that's privately owned. And for me, the objective was finding venues and companies that would still allow me to do my own thing, but being there for them to elevate their platform. So, okay, so you're like basically a salesman for them. They have their own operation and they have their own salespeople. I'm mm-hmm. that person in the middle that it created incentive for those clients when they're coming in that instead of paying for a planner to elevate their event and negotiate with their client, finding the right vendors, whether it's a hair and makeup dress or floral, right. I'm that middle person. So I'm a freelance employee for them, but when the client's coming in for a social event, my presence is there if they don't have their own person. So it's a humongous incentive for these venues and these uh, clientele that they have somebody who can help them through this entire process and alleviate all the pressure and in the interim elevate whatever it is that they wanted to do and keep them within their budget. Because we have so many talented people in our industry, but there's a lot of people who would like, this is my fee, but these are the only vendor that I needed to work with for me to get you what I want. Great. I mean, anybody with a $250,000 budget can create something magnificent. But if you can do that with $25,000 budget, that to me is the true talent for you to be able to create magnificent work without spending an arm and a leg. And, and people kind of resonate with that. Thank you so much for bringing that up because I, I always thought it would just be polite. <laughs> never wanted to bring up money. But I think the average person who might spend $50,000 on a, on a wedding, 75, whatever, they don't even think of getting a, an event because it's not a party <laughs> planner because they say, oh, that I don't need that expense. But I speaking to someone who said the concept behind hiring a planner is that whatever you pay the planner, they're supposed to save you that much money back in return. That's literally what I tell my clients, Doug. I tell them the way I justify my own pricing is the amount of saving that I have for you during this entire process. I am a man of my word. I will show you the wants and needs within this business because our entire industry is based on wants, not needs. Because if that was the case, everybody would get married in in the city hall and then save the money. And this multi-billion dollar business would not even exist. But for me, the only way you can make it wedding special is make it personal, but it needs to be within their means and their budget. I've just had a conversation with a client from May. It was amazing. We were so excited to work with them. And then we start going through the entire budget and the people who they're working with. And I'm confident with the people that they're working with. And I know they would be able to do a decent job for them. So, oh, so you mean they had their own vendors picked out? Correct. Okay. This is a second time move, but now they're ready to just really bring somebody in because they love my aesthetic and they, they know I would be able to elevate whatever it is that they, they are doing and then create that. You're the first person to use that word elevate, which I love. It's the truth because anybody can give you that lollipop with crystal centerpieces, but that does not me at the end of conversation. And then been going, spending hours with them already on the phone, email, and then we had two meetings. This was our second meeting, but this was a time that we went through the entire budget. Full transparency, I said, you can't afford me. They were kind of didn't understand why I'm saying that you not want to work with us. Of course, I want to work with you, but I'd much rather you get the things that you want for yourself instead of paying me this amount of money. Mm-hmm. If you pay me this amount of money, that means you have to compromise here, 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 and there. I said, not that I don't want to work with you. Of course, I want to work with you, but this is my pricing, and I won't be able to budge within the pricing that I have for you. It's literally the best thing for me to be able now to say no to clients in the past 
two, three years, because before that, we, we compromised. We took a job that we didn't have a much profit margin in it, but we wanted to have the jobs to be able to showcase our work out there. Mm-hmm. But now I don't have to do that. So I literally told her, I don't think you should hire me because then it takes away from all the money. And I just got a beautiful email from her, how grateful it is. She wasn't able to afford me, but now I have a walking billboard. Thank you. Thank that you. that word of mouth for me will take me so much further right. than actually me taking this job and say, okay, I compromise, I reduce my pricing, I give you a job, but then you don't still get everything that you want. So I had a conversation with her vendors. I explained what it is that she wants. Now the vendors are happy because now they can spend more money. <laughs> I even connected with somebody else who I thought it would be a better fit for her for just her day of coordination. And then again, I dispersed the money into our own community. So now I am I look like a hero in front of her, in front of our vendors. Now at the same time, I have a walking billboard. So that's how I look at it when I work with my clients. The talent is for you to be able to work with the budget that you have, but still not only make the clients happy, because most of these people really don't know what they want. They come in and you know, and Instagram is a blessing and a curse at the same time. They come in, I want this photo. Great, this photo cost you, you know, $60,000 in floral. Oh. <laughs> so for me is being able to elevate the job, make the clients happy, but stay true into your own static. Being able to create this magical affair within budget, I think that's where the talent is. What I was saying to you before, like the concept of having a planner. It's a luxury, it's not a need, it's a want. Is the expectation that the planner is going to save you on the band and the linens and the this and the that? In general, in general. Usually, and then most importantly, obviously the amount of stress and Again, being able to do things that you potentially won't even consider for yourself, going back to elevating your entire event, is really the thought process when it comes to having a planner for yourself. But let me tell you something. The people who did have a planner during this pandemic time are incredibly happy about it. Are always grateful. They are incredibly grateful because I was able to shield my client from those conversations that they didn't want to have or felt comfortable having. It was tremendous for people who were who had a planner during this pandemic time. And I think it's a... All right, can you explain why? Incredible service for whoever wants to have it. I mean, sell the industry. What am I selling for you? My image? Client X is listening to this and they say, I, was, I wanted to have 200 people at Temple Israel, but I'm only going to have... 50 people in my background. Why do I have it? How great is it going to be? And your answer is... I can't sell that because they have a valid point. How do I sell somebody that are, is planning to go from a 200 people to 10 people in their backyard, they don't need me. They definitely don't need me. They Having me there would help them with the amount of stress and also the visual presentation. But maybe that particular client is very comfortable with just having a basic event in their backyard and just celebrate their marriage. Because at the end of the day, it's about the love between the two people that keep us all in business. It's just a matter of preference for one person who wants to have it more elevated or personalized or over the top versus somebody who's completely comfortable just going to a restaurant and celebrate together and just get married in a city hall. So it's such a personalized or personal client-based question because what my Persian Jews would consider is not the same as my American Catholic. As far as what is important in their prioritization list for themselves, 
having me would help them tremendously or having somebody like me would help them tremendously right now, especially to be able to navigate through this without, especially New Yorkers, we are all so busy. Nobody has really enough time. We do this in and out every single day. The things that we know to ask from the vendors, from the vendors is not something that is usually in the forefront of their brain or, or they would even think about. So it's just these small little pieces that could elevate their event would make a humongous difference whether having me and not having me. But if it means for them, again, Doug, I think I'm one of the very few planner designers left in our industry that doesn't work in commission. And I've gotten so much shit about it from different planners, different people that how can you not, you do these parties, you work so hard. All right, could you just explain that a little bit? Because it's funny, I'm, I am always open to giving commissions and I'll tell you why. If you call me and say, you know what, I've got this perfect party for you and I land the job. To me, you're like match.com, you know, met a shidduch. That's not how I look at it. What I would want from you instead of the commission is an incredible pricing that you don't give to anybody else. Thank you. I never understood that. If you give me that pricing, then I look tremendously good in front of my clients because again, I'm not cheap. We have two separate contracts. You have our flat fee, which is normally is what we use. But then we have, when we have those five, six, 700 people, because the amount of work that goes into it, then we go into a percentage. And the percentage is very upfront. The percentage is never asked from my vendors. So I don't get zero, no money from any of our vendors at the end of the day, because I get the best pricing from you or from anybody else. So you said the client can call, they can have hire another planner and that client can reach out. My objective and my conversation with my own vendors is always giving me the best pricing possible that you don't give to anybody else. That's how I can justify the pricing that I charge my clients because that's the only way that I can tell them I justify the amount of money that you're paying me by the amount of saving that I have for you. So it, it works for me and my clientele and my clients appreciate it because I always have the best pricing for them when it comes to any of our vendors. Let's be real. I understand that you're saying that, sure, if you know you connect me like a match.com, I wanna give you something. Yeah. If the client comes to you and say, hey, I booked you because I love you and I've worked with you many, many years, do you have any planner in mind? Would you rather to go to somebody that you have to pay or would you want to go to somebody who know they're capable, you like the quality of their work, and they're not charging you a penny? It just makes sense to me. You're the first person that actually kind of explained to me <laughs> how the business works. I swear to God, I really it works never... differently for different people. We're all unique individuals, especially in this creative space. We all operate our business in a way that makes sense for our lifestyle. I wanted to ask you one very important thing. I know you have a you have a hard out at. In I have a 4.30, but it's okay. 4.30, okay. A conversation about to with another bride. When I was doing my homework, I was looking at every picture I could find on either Instagram or on your website. It's beautiful. It's stunning. There are several pictures of you with a couple, and you just, like, magically appear. Oh, my photo box. Like either with your hands out or jumping <laughs> up and you, that you're caught in midair. Is that superimposed? Is that like whatever? Is that photoshopped on or you? No, no. So that's, that's my shtick. So it's so funny how it works out. When we got married and I, we got married in 2016, I worked with Anthony and 
he was taking a photo of my husband and I just start photobombing him and he had no idea. He was having all of these serious poses. And once we got the photos back, we loved it. We loved it so much that when we posted, it just became a thing. And one of my bride at Woodbury is like, you should totally photobomb us. And I give her all the credit. So now I photobomb all of my bride and groom as they're kissing each other. And it became just a thing for me. And I love doing it. So, and, and you know what I love? It speaks to me, honestly. I'm so excited it's, to be there. I knew your personality before you said a word to me. You are sweet. And I said, holy shit, I got to get to know this guy. This guy is so cool. And what I thought to myself was that psychologically, not that you plan this or anything like that, no, it happens organically. There's like not a timeline. We're so busy that it doesn't happen. And then I have brides that it didn't happen. And then they're disappointed. <laughs> they are. And they call me. It's like, this is the photo. I need to Photoshop it. I'm like, I can't Photoshop it in here for you. But I've had brides who are actually now asking the one that we haven't done. Like we did before we start, before I get married. For those like, send me a photo. It's like, can we please Photoshop you in here so we can put but my favorite thing, all right, so you got the bride and the groom who are traditionally in black and white, you know, black tux or yeah, yeah. suit and, and the bride's in a white. Or, and you're wearing colorful clothes, almost like, like red boots. Obviously, and, when I'm setting up, I'm not wearing my actual attire for the wedding itself. So these are all course. happening while they're doing their own shoot before the wedding itself. Or before the oh, It okay. usually happened before. Uh, while they're in the middle of their photo op with their family. The engagement okay. shoots. Whatever they are doing before okay. the wedding itself. So that's when I actually do the jumping shot in them. And it's become a thing for all of our brides and grooms. So so what do you wear the day of the party? Do you wear a tux? Um, I love, like I said, I'm, I'm super, we are very, very much into fashion. And I feel like that's going to be our new business venture with me and Dwayne, because we've already do a lot of purchasing for our bride to be curated whether it's addresses or tux or mother of the bride and mother of the groom. So I like, I always tell my staff, I don't have a dress code for them until we get to the wedding itself. When it comes to a wedding, I need to do that. How do you want them dressed? As long as they are fashion forward, I want them to be at their most comfortable self, whether it's a wedges or sneakers or platform or heels. I don't care what they, as long as they look fantastic and they represent the brand. So yeah, I want them to be comfortable, but also fashion forward. There has been moments that like it with a newer staff and they came in, I'm like, no, I'm so sorry. You can't want to afford this. Please stay in the background and I will explain. All right, give me a hint. What would they wear? Just give me an idea. Um, you know, short pants and flats and, uh, and uh, uh, like a cardigan. And that's just, oh, my I God. want you to wear a dress. I want you to showcase your best assets, whatever it may be. Yeah. So I yeah, what it yeah. is but for us when it comes to day of the event if i need to wear a sequence i wear a sequence if i want to wear a turtleneck i wear a turtleneck i uh you know i have no restriction when it comes i don't have a black attire you can wear whatever color that you want i prefer to be appropriate within the color palette of the wedding itself if if it makes sense so they all have those mood boards that we all go through it a week before the event and we talk about things like that but pre-event i'm comfortable and fashionable but comfortable mostly to make sure that we can move around if it's necessary. Okay. You know what? I, when this pandemic is over, yes, sir. I want to visit your place and see both of your closets. You can come into our closet. We almost look around the same size. You, how tall are you? I'm six one. Oh, you're taller. So I'm a 40 regular. 
I'm a 40 regular too, sir. You would love walking into our closet. I just made a new best friend. (laughs) Hilarious. And one of the reasons, I mean, so many reasons with me and Dwayne, but as faith would have it, um, our shoe size is the same. So we both have an insane amount of- No way. I swear to you. Our wedding cake was from our collection of our own shoes. So our wedding cake was shoes. um, Your actual shoes? sneakers our wedding cake was like three different sneakers in the boxes i can send you the photo so you can see i'd love it um but yes it's uh as faith would have it we wear the same shoe size so it was we have <laughs> it a, could not be more perfect we have an incredible shoe collection uh between two of us so it's a huge part of it so we are planning to hopefully have a podcast in our closet we just drink with our friends and talk about fashion everybody's talking about like you know wedding and decor we love fashion that's what we are you know we're known for for amongst our friends so so we want to see where that goes and just have fun with our friends in the industry and then come in and talk about you know the things that we love the most we were really pre-pandemic hoping that the next phase would be more of a progression in destination events Mm -hmm. god willing still that's the plan not in the immediate future because this is not a sprint this is a marathon the way that we're looking at it and we want to be able to have a store for ourselves, whether it's consignment or... Oh, an actual store, a physical store. Actual store, correct, with the pieces that we love ourselves, that we can curate ourselves. And the plan was for us to eventually, once Dwayne is done with school, to go somewhere in Europe and not do as much of a large production, but do smaller editorial wedding for ourselves, whether it's Italy or Portugal or Croatia, whatever it may be. That's the dream. And, and and hopefully one day will come because, you know, I love my job. I, I love what I do, but I've been doing it for so long. And I know there's a shelf life for it because it just gets so exhausting. So I want to be able to live my life with Duane and still explore the world and truly just live. And I'm hoping that we find a path or a way to be able to com- combine the living part with the exciting traveling and exploring part right. so that's why we're hoping to open something out in europe and still being able to do what we do okay. i have a goal for you tell me the next tom ford oh god i don't know about that because yeah tom ford is one of a kind but from your mouth to god's ears i mean i don't know i don't know if i want to open even though we explore the idea pre-pandemic to have our own brand in a smaller scale but you know i did, don't have a um you know, design background when it comes to, even though I've been in fashion merchandising and yeah, yeah, yeah. In fashion all my life, but I, you know, I don't know how to sew when my, Oh, my it's life. more of a passion. Okay. Yeah. So you're not a tailor, you're not a designer. You're not we a have tailor. Any friends who have consignment store, not in the industry, but just outside in fashion world, but they have consignment store and they were doing so well pre pandemic, but now they all have to close those stores. So not now is the right time, but it's something in the future because we already curating those pieces for all of our couples, whether it's a dress and I work with some incredible designers or a tux. I work with some amazing people, mother of the bride, you know, mother of the groom. So we might as well, it's something that is already included and it's part of our package that we help them navigate through that because if they look good, I look good. Of course. So hopefully maybe one day in the future, we add it into our repertoire of things that we do. I started doing this podcast two and a half years ago. I literally taught myself how by watching YouTube videos. And 
the perfect place to do a podcast is a closet because there's enough stuff in it to absorb the sound. Interesting. Right? I mean, it's the way I look at a venue, seriously. Like a place like Capital or, or any of the Cipriani's, they're just like marble and glass. Brooklyn Botanic Gardens, you know? Oh, um, which has become one of my new favorite venues. Which sounds The South Street, Cipriani. Oh, yeah, fantastic. But there's nothing to absorb the sound for the music. I don't think a challenge when you work at any of these like museums. A lot of people I talked to said that the 42nd Street Library was the new hip place. It's glorious. It's one of the check marks for me as far as the venues that I want. Oh, you haven't done that either? I have done that with the florist that I was with at a time, but it wasn't mine. It was somebody else's event and it was magnificent and it was a gorgeous, gorgeous event. But I have not stop trying to push clients down that road. But with the site fee that they have, it's that one percentile of a client when he wants to go to your public library or the Met because their site fee is just so astronomical. It's very difficult to find a client. You know, it's a client who have always dreamt about being in those venues that are willing to perhaps spend those kind of money. But it's uh, it will come eventually. I'm putting it in the universe and it will eventually come. So I have literally four people during this entire pandemic that I was connected with. It was Erica, Gina, Sheena, and I'm having dinner with Ryan. Oh my God, Ryan Gina, Hill Sheena. might have been my favorite. I love him. Told me the whole I, Hamilton story. I happened to in- interview him the week Hamilton came out on HBO Max. I mean, he was amazing. He told a great story. He's terrific. You know, it's just... For me personally, like I told you, I have my head down and mind my own business because I feel like sometimes our industry turned into a little bit of a high school. There's very <laughs> few people that I genuinely connect with and, and I feel like they're incredibly humble and honest and transparent. And there's enough business for all of us to go around. Ryan is one of them. Ryan is fairly new in my life. I could not have been more happy about it. We just had brunch with him and his husband and they're just... Both of them are incredible, and I'm so grateful that some of these people have come into my life during this pandemic. So these were the few people that I've been in in my bubble of quarantine time that I spend more time. But Erica is another incredible, amazing human. And we dog sit her dogs when she goes away. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, mayhem is sweetest That's thing ever. Hysterical. Christina Matucci was telling me she's another incredible human being. My husband, Dwayne is in love with her. And I always tell her, I cannot leave you alone with my husband in one room because I feel like you guys would just <laughs> run away together. She's another magical human being. So is David. There's so many good people and I'm so incredibly fortunate to know most of them and you know have connection with them in a social level and happy to be a part of that group. I consider myself really blessed to have met all these people. You're incredibly sweet. I loved Ryan. I loved Eric. I, it's very funny. And, and Jose. Yeah, I mean, he's just such a positive ray of sunshine. And especially, you know, with New York Gay Dad, used a platform for all of these incredible subjects, so moving and important to where we are in time and in our life. So because, you know, there's those sellouts when it comes to influencer because i was making fun of that like you are an influencer now but he always used his platform for positive things i told him the other day he should roll out his own merchandising he was i said to him tell me you don't have an agent that's pitching a sitcom about you and your kids 
Stay tuned, Doug. He's got PR people. Come on. He's Oh, he has so many things coming up. People are going to lose it when those things comes up. You know, he was an editor. Yes, he was a video editor. Yeah, that's why these are all like second nature. So he does but- these things with his kids, and, and he's not, it's not like he's taking advantage of the kids. So he doesn't even... No, they love it. They're little actor and actresses. Oh, they're, they're beautiful kids. So good at doing this. And it was our go-to during a pandemic time. Everybody were just sad and moping. Yeah. And he would put out these incredible... We would and he would make everybody laugh. Racking up with these videos. But no, he's another amazing magical human being what a crew of people really yeah i'm I'm so happy and blessed to know all of these people and consider myself you know consider them my peers and my myself their friends so it's been great and they're such a fantastic support system and i like to think i'm always there for them if they ever need anything as well i would just love to get to know you guys but it's it's hard you can't say all right let's get together for a drink i will text you a couple of podcasts that you have to hear you have to sylvia's I would love to. some of them you'd love. Um, and Brian's story is great. And, and all, you'll hear all your, all your best friends. Yes. I want to learn more about what it is that you do because this relationship is important, obviously for the future. And hopefully we will have another conversation. So you can let me know a little bit about what it is that you do. You can talk about some pricing. You can tell me fantastic and capability and that we're just, this is just the start of our relationship. Thank you again, doc. Enjoy the rest of your evening. Actually, and thank you so much. Later, of course. Okay. Later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Did I lie? I truly hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. And maybe someday I'll give you that editorial that I promised in the very beginning. But please follow Peji at Peji Cash Events on Instagram. That's P-E-J-Y-K-A-S-H. Peji Cash Events on Instagram and Peji Cash Events to see his beautiful website. You can find my website at DougWintersMusic.com, which I just added some really cool footage too which i think you'll really enjoy and follow me on instagram at doug winters inc and let me know who you'd like to have on as guests as usual stay safe stay strong i promise we will all get through this together okay bye-bye now